enjoy doing more than what I've done in the last uh, seven, six or eight weeks, uh, I get to begin the, uh, the positive. You know, what we've done uh, over the last, whatever it's been, um, seven weeks, is that I've damned the two ends of the spectrum. You know, I, uh, um, uh, legalism on one end, um, um, antinomianism on the other end, but tonight we get to start building our case for what is um, a, a posture of living a life of grace. Um, it, it's my opinion or my contention that um, the Christian is, uh, many Christians are frustrated in their, in their obedience to Christ for a couple reasons. One being that they are um, they're obedient to him for the wrong reasons. And secondly, they misunderstand the example to which they are to be obedient. And um, what I'm hoping is that this, this positive uh, living a life in grace will answer both of those um, pitfalls or address both of those pitfalls. You might remember that we, uh, early on we looked at this passage in Matthew 6 where Jesus denounced the Pharisee and he said, do not be like them. And then he denounced the, the, uh, the pagan who um, uh, prayed with his endless verbiage, his endless words, and he said, do not be like them either. Don't be like either of them. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. Don't be like the Pharisee who in the name of protecting uh, God's honor provides all the rules. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't need your protection. Uh, he doesn't need you to protect him. He can do a very fine job of that himself. And the Pharisee, in the, in the name of making sure that all is done rightly, uh, provides all kinds of lists and codes, etc. Nor are you to be like the uh, antinomian who, in the name of grace, lives a shoddy um, life that has no boundaries, no law, and is basically a mindless one, a mindless one. So here we, we've got both ends of the spectrum that are denounced. And I want to begin to talk to you about what I think the New Testament has in mind uh, when it talks about just walking with Christ, following Christ, obedience, a life of grace, etc. Neither of those extremes, antinomianism or legalism, is acceptable. Both of them are carnal substitutes for true, genuine spirituality. And I hope that's been clear as we've gone through that. But now, so what do, how do we begin to, um, to uh, put together the right position, the right stance? And the temptation, I'm afraid, is um, that we begin to think in terms of synthesis. Um, that is, um, why don't we take a little bit of that down there and, 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 and combine it with a little bit of this down here and, you know, just, just be kind of down that and kind of that and, this, and, and you'll just work out this wonderful middle ground. No, ladies and gentlemen, that is, uh, they're both carnal substitutes for genuine spirituality and you're just combining carnality with carnality, even if you were to balance the two. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, that's Hegelian thought. Do you know, um, is it Frederick George Wilhelm Hegel? It's, it's something like that. Um, the, the German theologian, uh, you know what Hegelianism is? It was a real foundation in communism. Um, uh, Hegel said that there was a thesis 
um, uh, in this direction, that is a, a position, uh, an idea, um, a, a truth that was being debated. But uh, as it was being debated, there was an antithesis that uh, was uh, created in response to the thesis. But as the two were then debated, they both merged into a new, into a synthesis, which became a new thesis, which then had another antithesis, which merged and produced another synthesis, and on and on it went. Well, gang, what I'm saying is, if you, if you take a little bit of legalism and combine it with a little bit of antinomianism and just put the two together, jumble them all up, that, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing more than Hegelian thought. It is nothing more than a, a carnal um, solution to the problem. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. You must not think and say, oh, well, we don't want to err on this end of the spectrum. No, no, no. But we don't want to err on... So if we just kind of stay in the middle there, we'll just be fine. No, ladies and gentlemen, don't try to merge them. Don't try to synthesize them. Don't even try to balance the two. They're both carnal substitutes. I'm suggesting that there is a new, a brand new third option. And that's what I want to speak to you about for the, probably the next three or four weeks. A whole new option. Forget synthesis, forget legalism and antinomianism. Neither of those, nor the combination of those two, will ever work. I want to suggest to you that there is a new third option. Um, now, what is that? Well, gang, um, I would say in a word that the, the word is grace. But that doesn't tell you much. You know the term. It's a beautiful term. And I'm saying the, the solution, the third option is grace. But what does that mean? Now, guys, let me tell you something. I have to make a confession here. Um, people walk into my office for the first time and they go, Ooh, you've got a lot of books, Dr. And I say, well, yeah, you're right, but, you know, a third of them are at my home. You know, uh, that's not all my books. I've got lots more. I've got several lime greens at home. I've got tans and earth tones. Um, I arrange books on my shelves according to color. Um, <laughs> I've got some bright yellows. Um, but, you know, they're very impacted in, um, with all my books. And, um, um, and they, they always want to ask the next question, have you read all those? <laughs> and of course, I, being a man of the truth, say, of course I have. Every last blasted one of them. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not the truth. But I have read, a, you know, a goodly portion of the books in my, in my library. My wife won't let me buy them unless I read them. Um, but, and I've said this to you before, you don't believe me, but it's the truth. If it's not in a book or on tape, I don't know it. Um, I mean, I learned it in a book. Or listening to a tape, you know, just like you can. Um, but uh, from time to time, I burst out with a piece of original thinking. <laughs> now, in the course of, let's see, I've been in the ministry 25 years, almost 26, be 26 in July. Um, in the course of 26 years of ministry, I have had, count them, two original thoughts. <laughs> My first original thought is my famous definition of love. Love is the value that you place on in an individual that makes you willing to come up with whatever sacrifice necessary to maintain. That is an original definition. I got that from nobody. I got right in my own little head. Now, you are about to be privileged to hear my second original thought. 
It's my only one, but uh, I'm very proud of it. But ladies and gentlemen, I am proud of it. Not because it's original, but because it's beautiful. I'm saying to you that the third option is grace. And here is what I mean. And I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, memorize it. It's very simple. Grace means, that is, living a life of grace means emulating Christ in the power of the Spirit. You know what emulation or emulating means? It just means aping, being like them, you know. Uh, I want to be like him, you know. But, but living a life of grace simply means emulating Christ in the power of the Spirit. You know, I, I, I perhaps have overstated this in the past, but um, since my wife is sitting here, I can't overstate it. But we did say it frequently in our home. Um, you know, um, some of you raised your eyebrows at me. You know, ooh, I can't believe he's letting his daughter do that. But several years ago, probably five or six years ago, my daughter sang in a singing group. Um, it, was a, it was three people, uh, Posey Hedges, Garrison Starr, and, and Gracie Young. And they had a very original name, Hedges, Starr, and Young. That's, uh, and they sang on Highland at Newbies. They sang at Beale Street at the New Daisy. And they sang at Newbies on Highland just about every Wednesday night. And I, I want you to know that every Wednesday night I would get through with my teaching here at Gracie Van, my wife and I would hop in the car and head down to Newbies to hear our daughter sing. And people were, well, he lets his daughter sing at the New Daisy. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And uh, I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but here's what I told her. Darling, you just go emulate Christ in the power of the Spirit, and we'll be fine. You know, um, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. and Mrs. Parent, if your child doesn't understand that principle, I don't care how many rules you've set on them. They'll never make it. Because I wanted my daughter to be righteous, not because her daddy was a preacher. And you know his reputation is very important. I wanted my daughter to emulate Christ. Just go do what he would do. Don't go do what the Baptist church will tell you to do, for heaven's sakes. Don't go do what the Presbyterians will tell you to do. You don't need to hear about uh, uh, the Charismatics or the Navigators or uh, Coral Ridge. You don't need to... Just go do what Jesus expects of you. And we'll all be fine. We'll all be fine. And I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that is utterly liberating. Because I tell you, go emulate Jesus. And you can't do that except by the power of the Spirit. So that is a life of grace. That's what I mean as a third option. And what I want to do is spend three weeks with you. Um, it's not defending that position, but explicating that position. That is explaining it. Um, I want you to see that I believe that what I just said to you is a wonderful mantra among us as Christians in terms of living out grace. How do I live as a believer? Here's how you do it. Go emulate Christ in the power of the Spirit. Go do that. 
and we'll be fine. Oh, but you know, it might go... Uh, that's all right. Just go do what Jesus does and you'll be fine. And, oh, but my neighbors will say, I don't give a hoot about your neighbors. Just go emulate Jesus and the power of the Spirit. We'll all be fine. Well, but you know the Baptist church... I don't care what the Baptist church is like. Go emulate Jesus. And we're all going to be fine. Our children would leave our home and they'd be going to places that we really were just, oh, I can't believe we're saying yes to this. And we would say to them over and over again, loyalty to Christ. Just be loyal to Christ. Don't worry about Daddy. He's not worth being loyal to. Just be loyal to Jesus and we'll be fine. Everything will be beautiful if you will emulate Him. Now, guys, um, I want to suggest to you that there is a text which teaches what I just told you. But it doesn't say exactly what I said. But I want to tell you more and more what it means to emulate Christ in the power of the Spirit. And I've broken that down into four little items. And I want you to see them. So take your Bibles, if you will, and uh, turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. Okay, let me read them to you because they're great. For this reason, we also, I'm in Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Now, stop right there. This, of course, is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to some people that he loves, the church in Colossae, Christians in Colossae, the, uh, the Colossian church. And Paul says, did y'all know this? This is what I'm praying for y'all. This is what I when, I, when I'm by myself and I think of you, this is what I pray for for you. Um, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. What is it, Paul? What is it, Paul, that you are asking for for your, your dear, beloved believer friends in Colossae? What is it that you want from them, for them? Here it is that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, guys, here's what I'm saying. Emulation of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, all right? I'm saying that this portion right here, emulating Christ, is going to require some things from you. If you want to emulate Christ, here's, what you're going to, here's what's going to happen. There is going to be a right mind. There is going to be a right walk. And there is going to be fruit. And it's going to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, look at the text again. What Paul pleads for is um, that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The right mind. Verse 9, I think. Is that 9? Yes. That's the one thing he wants. That you will have a right mind. The second thing is that you may walk worthy. A right walk. That's verse 10. And in that right walk, you're going to be bearing fruit. That's verse 10. And then you'll notice in uh, verse 11, uh, he states, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. What's that? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's in verse 11. I'm saying, guys, if there is ever going to be, our, on, on our parts, an emulation of Christ, it's going to require, it, it, no, it will look like these three things and it will be done like that. That's what I mean in somewhat of a detailed fashion when I talk about emulating Christ. Now, guys, um, I don't know whether... What I want to talk about tonight, and I don't know that we can't finish it tonight, but I want to talk about this first thing of the right mind. Um, Paul prays that the Colossian Christians would... Um, would be filled with the knowledge of his will in wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you see what he's packed in there? Knowledge, his will, wisdom, understanding. That is, that is preparatory. That is, um, if there's ever going to be a worthy walk, it's going to start when the mind is, is, is right. I, li I like to draw it like this. This is an iceberg, and this is the water line. Um, and this is the part that everybody sees. These are behaviors that everybody sees. Um, the kind of choices we make, et cetera, et cetera. But underneath that, un underneath our beliefs, our, our behavior is a belief system. Ladies and gentlemen, we basically do what we believe is true. You know, um, none of you came over here in your pajamas tonight because you believe that if you were to arrive in your pajamas, you would probably be mocked. Our behavior is a product of what we believe to be true. I'm saying that if this is ever going to be right, this is where we must concentrate. On a right belief system. And I think that's what Paul is saying. You are never going to emulate Christ. There is never going to be a worthy walk of Christ until there is a, a, a belief system underneath you that makes for um, right choices, right behaviors. Now, guys, um, again, we don't have time to look at all of these, but I'd like for you to see a few of them. I want you to see the New Testament admonitions to do this. Are you ready? Got your Bible? Let's start with Philippians 2. Very famous passage. Have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That's the text. Now, guys, um, just um, to show you how smart I am, that Greek word is, is a derivative for neo, which means to think, and it's in the imperative. My point is, Paul is not pleading with you 
won't you please take the glorious option of having the right mind? He is commanding you to have a certain kind of mind. You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, last night when I wasn't sleeping very well, I got up and started reading a book called Fit Bodies, Fat Minds. It's in our bookstore if you'd like to read it. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's by Os Guinness. And um, some of the things that he is pointing out in there about the Christian church, we can't compete with the world anymore, ladies and gentlemen. We can't compete because we don't have any thinkers among us. Um, this is one of the points that he's made, which I thought was real interesting. Judaism has established its centers of influence where? New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Los Angeles. Where's the Christian church gone? Wheaton, Orlando, um, Colorado Springs. My point is, Judaism has fixed her, I mean, she has landed in a way that she can seek to influence the marketplace and how it thinks by going to the centers of influence. Where are we? Where are we, ladies and gentlemen? We're, we're in Wheaton. Just, just one indication of how the Christian church has forfeited and, and adopted what he calls an anti-intellectual approach to the Christian faith. If I have to choose a heart over a head, I'll choose the heart every time. Well, why do you have to choose that? The, the, the New Testament says that we are to love the Lord God with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds. And, and I'm, ladies and gentlemen, I'm certainly not, the answer to anti-intellectualism is not intellectualism. I'm not pleading for that. But I am pleading for a right mind. One trained and trained sophisticatedly to be able to enter into discussion. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the average person sitting in the pew is chewed up and spit out by a Jehovah's Witness in a matter of minutes. Because they know their stuff. They don't have much stuff to know, but they, what they're supposed to know, they know it. The Christian... Do you know that I was told on a set of tapes just recently that one of the problems with preaching and one of the problems with the preachers is that we preach at a 12th grade level. Ladies and gentlemen, if I preach at a 12th grade level, I'm embarrassed. If that's the best I can do, but maybe I do. Maybe I do. Maybe that's what I preach at. I, I don't know. I don't know how they calculate that, but um, I preach at a 12th grade level, let's say. And you know what they were telling me? We're preaching over the heads of our people because they listen at a fourth grade level. You know, um, I was writing a sermon today and uh, what, there was a word in it. Gosh, I forget what it was. But I couldn't use that word because I didn't think people would know what it meant. 
So I exchange it for another word. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if there is ever going to be a decent behavior on the part of the Christian, there is going to have to, you have to work on, I mean, guys, that's not my command. That's the command of the New Testament. Have this mind in, we, we, we got 10 minutes. We got to go a little bit faster than that. Uh, let's, let's look real quick at one of my favorites in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, it begins at verse 22. Um, let, me, let me begin reading at verse 20, uh, Ephesians 4, 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Here it is. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. How do you do that? How are we expected to do that? How are we going to put off this old man which has grown, grown corrupt according to the deceitful flesh? Paul says in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I didn't write that. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, um, let's just take the issue of internet porn. That's a pretty corrupt thing, don't you think? Well, what is Paul saying is the solution to put that off? Oh, I'm struggling with it, Jimmy. I'm struggling with it so bad. I understand, okay? I, I, I understand the struggle. I mean, I mean I, I, I'm sympathetic that you are struggling. I'm not struggling with that. I'm struggling to sleep, but I'm not struggling with that. Um, um, but what does Paul say is the solution? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In between the old, an old self and a new self is a new mind. That's what's going to render us emulators of Jesus Christ. Um, th there's several other, uh, I hate to skip these. Um, let me show you Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, um, verse 2. Set your mind on things above. Now, guys, you know, there's another one in Philippians 4 where Paul says, And whatsoever things are beautiful and lovely and of good report, and da-da-da-da-da, and, uh, let your mind dwell on these things. Do you see the implication of those, of those two admonitions? Um, the implication is simply that you and I have control over where our minds are found. Set them. Set them on things heavenly, not things earthly. Um, that's because you're in control of that. We're in control of that. Um, Romans chapter 12, which is um, a familiar, at least verse 2 is familiar to most of you. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your circumstances. Does your Bible say that? He says, don't be, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Of your mind. How is it that we avoid being pressed in and molded and shaped by the world? 
we get ourselves a new mind. Um, oh, two more and we'll quit. Um, Romans 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Paul does not say to be carnally involved. He says to be carnally minded. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I think you know, long before, long before you do it with your hands, you've done it in your mind. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, that's life and peace. One more and I'll quit, and we'll fold up for the night. Second Corinthians. <clears throat> Chapter 10. Another very familiar text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, but it's so chock full of stuff, I just wanted you to see it. Paul says to the Corinthian church, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the, it's verse 5, against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, casting down arguments against knowledge, bringing every thought. To what is Paul appealing? He's appealing to the way that you and I engage in our thought process. Um, guys, all of this means that if I'm ever going to emulate Christ, I'm going to have to have the mind of Christ, which I've, command, been, I've been commanded to have um, by Paul in Philippians 2. Where do I get it? Pretty simple, isn't it? It's a pretty simple question. Where do I get the mind of Christ? It's in here. I study this book, um, praying for the Spirit's illumination, and that is the thing that forms the mind of Christ in me. I become a student of this book. Gang, um, I know that you would all agree that you, there is no finer preaching in America than what you hear at Gracie Van. Would you not? Let's hear a round of applause. Yeah, yeah. I, thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Bob and I have been friends for a long time. I did have a man come up to me. This is the honest truth. And I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. This is so blasted self-serving. Um, but a man came up to me Sunday morning. He said, you know you're the best preacher, greatest preacher since Paul, don't you? <laughs> I said, yes, I did know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he got a little carried away. I, I think he liked the, uh, the choir anthem. Uh, uh, but um, anyway, I, I hope that my sermons are stimulating to you. And I hope there's little things that you draw away from them. And um, uh, I, I hope that you are, I, I hope you are, I, I, the only word I can think of is stimulated in lots of ways by what you hear. I hope they grab your hearts. I hope they convict you. I hope they inform you. I hope they direct you, et cetera, et cetera. But ladies and gentlemen, if you think a 30-minute ditty from Dr. Young on Sunday morning is going to form in you the mind of Christ, you are sadly mistaken. Um, I'm saying that a life of grace, remember we talked about the antinomian 
who is completely malinformed, and so he lives like that. Well, our option to live out grace is to find out what Jesus has to say <laughs> and go think like he does. And then we all think like he does, and then your daughter wants to sing at the New Daisy on Beale Street? Ha! Freedom. Freedom. Go out of here. Because if your mind is like his, so will be your behavior. <laughs> but if there is not that right mind, as Paul prayed for from the, for the Colossians. And ladies and gentlemen, we can come up with anything, any kind of rationalization, any kind of um, justification for our actions. You know, I'll say this, and I'm, I'm rambling, but I can't tell you how many times I've had people tell me that the reason that they want to leave their husband or their wife is because God surely wants them to be happy. And I want to say you get that out of your Bible? Could you show me where you got that out of your Bible? Because it ain't in the Bible. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, do you know what the number one belief of professing Christians in America is? The one thing they seem to all know? You ready? Here it is. God helps those who help themselves. David Harbour, is that not a, a, a researched truth? Guys, you know that's not in the Bible, don't you? And then they think, why is it that the Christian divorce rate has grown higher than the pagans? Because our belief system is based on gobbledygook. It's not based on this thing. But if we're ever going to emulate Christ and live freely, ladies and gentlemen, I say to you, you're going to have to have a right mind. We'll come back and wrap it up next week. If the choir, is the choir practicing tonight? I guess because of spring break, nothing's going on. In fact, the, the dregs of Gracie Van are here tonight because we couldn't, we couldn't go to Colorado. I'm with you guys. I'm with you. <laughs> it's expensive out of town. <laughs> Let's pray together. Our Father, um, we recognize how true this is, not because Jimmy Young said it, but we recognize that our minds have not been properly trained, not by the church, but by your word. I pray, O oh God, that you will stir in your people a new desire to go plant themselves in front of your word and find out more and more about what you say, who you are, what you like, what you hate. And we, might we be able to think your thoughts after you. That, O oh God, would begin us in this glorious process of emulating Christ through the power of the Spirit. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great spring break. <laughs>